Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Bob Mendelson, and this is the Bob's Your Uncle podcast. Thanks for joining me for this season three of Bob's Your Uncle podcast episode 17. Of note, the opinions are strictly my own and those of my guests. I hope you enjoy Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto in E minor. It's one of my favorites. You can now find us and comment to us wherever you get your podcasts. Tell us what matters to you, what triggers your joy, what bothers you in the world. Let us know. We'll see where the Spirit leads us. Whether you're at home, online, on the road with me in your headset at the gym, or out for your evening constitutional, wherever you get your podcasts, that's where we will be. Thanks for being with us these 18 minutes. History, the 4th of April, in 1841, after serving for only one month, William Henry Harrison became the first United States president to die in office. He was succeeded by Vice President John Tyler. On this day in history, in 1968, Martin Luther King Jr., a leader of the American Civil Rights Movement, was in Memphis, Tennessee, to support a strike by the city's sanitation workers and he was assassinated by James Earl Ray. On the 4th of April in 1975, Bill Gates and Paul Allen founded Microsoft, which became the world's largest personal computer software company. And on this date in 2004, my mother passed away, and I remember her with frequency to this day, with gladness for our times together and the good she brought to our family. And that's the historical marker of the week. put a microphone in front of me today so that I could talk to you about Passover and Easter and why those two happen to go together so well. I've been on a speaking tour up the coast from Newcastle all the way up to the Gold Coast in Brisbane here in Australia. And one of the things that I'm ever reminded of is that the magazines and the media seem to talk about Jesus and Jewish things at this time of the year. Don't put it in January, don't put it in August, but put it in the Passover Easter season because that's where religion belongs. It's okay to 
think about religious items at this time of year. The Pope is not well. There's a shooting at a church. So there's things that are always being talked about. But right now, Passover starts tomorrow night, Wednesday night, the 5th of April, around the globe. The, the moon will be full. And people will uh, gather in homes in Jerusalem and Sydney and everywhere in between to sing the songs and pray the prayers of our ancient people, the Jewish people that we've been conducting with some exceptions ever since Moses's time 3,500 years ago. Do you know that story? I mean, you might have seen it from the Cecil B. DeMille movie, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and Yul Brenner. You might have known it from History of the World Part 1 by Mel Brooks. You might know it from the reading of the Bible or just overhearing it. There were people who sang songs in the American South, mostly in the black community, slave community, who saw in Moses and the Hebrew children their own story as they longed to be delivered from their slavery, like the Jewish people were delivered from our slavery. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt land. Tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. Would have been the song that many black kids sang while I was singing almost the same song, remembering what God did for us three and a half millennia ago. So what about it today? We don't have slaves in America. We don't have slaves in Australia. Or do we? Well, when we think about deliverance from oppressive regimes, there's plenty of those around the world. People are involved in military trying to free certain peoples. There's talk about the sex trade and that there are sex slaves globally from Eastern Europe and Thailand and all kinds of other places. There's all kinds of conversation about that. So what we're trying to do is take history past and bring it into the present and see if there's any relevance, see if there's any one-to-one -one correspondence that we might have hope, that we might see change, that we might affect change. I like all that. And I'm, I'm glad for people who do that. The story of Passover is the story of the Jewish people, the children of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, who became a prominent guy there in Egypt and who then was forgotten. And there arose a new king, a new pharaoh, that was the title, of the leadership of Egypt who didn't remember Joseph. So it had happened two, three, we don't know how many generations later. And all of a sudden now the Jewish people were oppressed, were made slaves, and longed for freedom. Maybe that's why this story is told every year at this time. We all long for freedom. We long to be free from debt. We long to be free from the constraints of uncivil society. We long to be free from uh, all the troubles of life that seem to abound. I wonder what you want to be free from. What is it that's constraining you? What is it that's obliging you? What is it that's ruining you? 
and over which you have no control. So maybe that's why the story of Passover is so good at this time of year and any time of year. So God raised up a prophet, a, a, a hero, Moses, famous guy. He went to Pharaoh, who was, we're going to say, eight decades earlier, a half-brother, because Moses was raised in the courts of the Pharaoh. This is about 1500 BCE for those keeping score. So he was raised in the courts of Egypt. He had the language, he had the education, he had the prestige, he had the privilege. And the Jewish people did not have any of those, certainly no privilege. And Moses goes to the Pharaoh of his day when he's 80 years old and says, let my people go. And they say, I don't think so. Get rid of three million free slaves. That is, they don't, the Egyptians don't pay us. They make us work hard and to even go and harvest the straw to make the bricks to build the store cities. My goodness, it was free labor. And the taskmasters were not exactly kind people. Well, a pretty horrible story. The rabbis teach that it took nine plagues and one full year for Moses to convince the Egyptians to let my people go. And they, the rabbis teach that it took nine plagues and one full year for Moses to convince the Jewish people, the Hebrews, that he was going to be the guy. He was the leader. I mean, after all, he was not one of us. He comes up, he kills a guy four decades earlier. There's a story of some murder that takes place and Moses self-exiles into the wilderness. He gets married to Jethro's daughter. He has all kinds of shepherding situation, but not exactly Jewish activities. So he comes back and they say, well, who made you the boss? Well, it seems that God had made him the boss, but we as Jewish people had forgotten a lot about who God is and what his plan was. So Moses convinces the people, and on the, the night of Passover, there is a killing of a lamb and several houses around the, the detention center that was Goshen, that section of Egypt where the Jewish people had been enslaved. They put blood on the door in the right way and all of a sudden the angel of death comes through and kills the firstborn. There's wailing all across the towns and villages around Egypt and Pharaoh finally says, get out of here, take your people, get out of here. So the Jewish people exit, and that's the word exodus. We go out and we are free, <laughs> but where do we go? It takes four decades for us to finally get to Israel. I think it's only a two, three week trick to go from Egypt to what we call today Israel. But it took the Jewish people four decades. Probably they didn't have GPS. So there they go. 
and they they meet a Red Sea, and there's trouble there, and there's people chasing. It's not exactly a story of, hey, we did great, and we took a 747, and we got there, and we lived happily ever after. There's a lot of not happily ever after in the story. There's anticipation, there's trouble, there's a deliverance. That's pretty awesome. We're delivered out of, now where do we deliver into? Where are we going? And of course, we're going to the land of Israel, the promised land. We get there, as I say, four decades later, and it's not exactly South Florida. It's not exactly the Gold Coast. It's discomforting. There's a lot of replacement of people. There's a lot of troubles in the land. So why do we call this the Passover Easter season? Well, those of us who are Jewish, who believe that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah, have seen the conclusion of the Passover story. That is, what happened 1,500 years before Yeshua was born in Bethlehem, 1,500 years before he died and then rose from the dead. That's the story of Easter. The resurrection is the conclusion of the whole thing. The resurrection is the culmination of the whole thing. God in his mercy let the Jewish people experience tough times and, and good times, both, time, both bad and good, what we call bad and good. And it was about the year zero, we'll say, about, don't be fastidious about that, but the Jewish people were there in, is in, in, in what we call Israel, in Judea and Galilee. And we were oppressed again. We had a, not a slave driver, but we certainly didn't have freedom under the Romans. They could make us do anything they wanted. They could beat us anytime. They could tax us to no end. What a horrible time this would have been in Jewish history. There were people who had ideas on how to liberate us, the Zealots, the Essenes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the none of the aboves, <laughs> who thought, how are we going to get out of this? And God once again heard our cries and sent a deliverer. Only he didn't deliver us from the oppression of a country. He didn't get us physically out of the bondage of Rome. No, he gave us a spiritual freedom because Yeshua, Jesus, didn't come to overthrow the Roman government. He came to deliver us from our sin. The bondage of sin is much worse than the bondage of an oppressor. There are people who have been, if you will, in jail because of whatever, uh, charges have been trumped up against them over the last two millennia, but who have been free. I think of Polycarp. I think of uh, the heavenly man, as his nickname is. I think of Richard Wormbrand. And maybe you're thinking of some of those now as well. People who were bound, but free. Bound by physical activity, but free because they knew Yeshua. They knew the Messiah. They'd been forgiven of their sin. That freedom is something not to knock back and not to relegate to a two-week period in April every year. Thank you, Time Magazine. Thank you, 
Sydney Morning Herald, religion matters at this time of year. Maybe it just sells papers, but I think it matters 52 weeks of the year. What do you think about all this? These have been some of my thoughts as I've traveled up the coast the last week and a half. Maybe you're thinking some of these as well. Happy Passover. Happy Easter. What do you think about all this? Write me on bobmendo at aol.com or comment or even video to me on Instagram or Twitter at bobsyourunclepc. I'd love to know what you think about all this. Don't forget to follow or subscribe whatever your app asks you to do wherever you get your podcasts. We want people to stay with us. We've got lots more great guests over the months and years to come, God willing. Every week here on the podcast, we read from the number one bestseller of all time. And again, today is no exception. From Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Join me next week as I interview Bernard from South Africa, who now lives in Perth, who got involved in sex addiction and pornography, and he talks about freedom and pure desire. This is fascinating to hear. Until then, from me, Bob Mendelson, when things seem bleak or uncertain, look up to God. He's in his heaven, and Bob's your uncle. Shalom from Sydney.